0: You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. I love sharing missionary stories with you to help you connect with our missionaries, understand how the Lord is using them to bring the good news of Jesus to people around the world. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting this program. To find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin, go to our website, kfuo.org, and look for the CUW logo in the sponsor section there. And today we head to a part of the world where we haven't seen... Uh, or haven't had a lot of conversations with missionaries in the past. Today we're heading to Spain. And well, in studio with me today, the Reverend David Warner. He is serving. He and his wife Shelley are serving the Lord as career missionaries in Spain. Pastor Warner, welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you, Andy. Glad to have you in studio and to hear your story of serving as missionaries in Spain. Let's start with uh, the story of how the Warners. First, started considering this vocation of missionaries. When did you first start thinking about becoming missionaries? We considered whether we wanted to serve on the mission field when uh, we were at
1: seminary. Uh, my wife and I lived in Spain um, in the 1990s when I was serving in the Marine Corps. And we had an interest, but at that time um, it, it, we didn't pursue that. We came out of seminary, took a call in Montana. Um, but then really following the 2013 mandate from the Synod and Convention for the Office of International Mission to expand double their number of missionaries, um, because of the Spanish language skills that I had, um, my name was submitted and um, uh, Pastor Ted Cray from the Latin American, Caribbean, and Spain
0: region uh, contacted me. And. How much of uh, Spanish culture and you mentioned language skills already you had acquired during your previous career? How much did you learn about the culture when you lived there? And was there anything about it that was th- that drew you to more to consider this opportunity?
1: Well, Spain's a great place to live. I mean, it's a beautiful place. Uh, has a lot um, of attractive things, from beaches to history to architecture, uh, good food. So, I mean, it's it's a fun place to live we really enjoyed spain um you know we wasn't thinking about uh being a missionary when we were serving <laughs> there in the marine corps but you know as a lifelong lcms member uh, you're there in spain and you're seeing the influence of the catholic church and so it does you're thinking all the time because it is a it's a very different place mm-hmm. in that regard um and so
0: you know all of that i guess made us predisposed to the possibility Let's talk a little bit about the history of the church. You you mentioned, obviously, the the Roman Catholic Church, very prevalent in Spain. What about the history of Lutherans in Spain? What can you share with us about that? Well, as we celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation,
1: we're um, trying to emphasize quite a bit um, just to uh, help educate people in Spain uh, that Lutherans were there. Now, Lutherans in name... Perhaps not, but uh, the by the 1530s, shortly after the Reformation started in the rest of Europe, uh, even though uh, Spain was very, very Roman Catholic, um, the teachings of Luther came into Spain through the church and had quite an influence. And there were um, a number of uh, monasteries where Luther's teachings really took hold, including one in Sevilla where we live, another one in Valladolid, where almost essentially the entire... Um, population of the monastery, uh, was convinced by the Reformation teaching. And so there was a, the beginning of a protest of a Lutheran Reformation in Spain, uh, in the 1530s, early 1540s, but then, uh, the successor, Charles V was a Holy Roman Emperor. He was also Charles II, King of Spain, and he never really, uh, Went after the Reformation, the Lutherans, um, very specifically. But his son was not the Holy Roman Empire, but he was the, the King of Spain, um, Felipe, and he um, uh, eradicated the Lutherans. The, the Spanish Inquisition, um, which spent more of their time focused on on Jews or on Muslims and 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 eradicating that from Spain, also turned on those monasteries where Lutheranism was taking hold. And so the Lutherans that were in Spain were either arrested or fled, um, many of whom fled, one in particular who's important, or two, uh, Casiodoro de Reina, then as he was actually being pursued by agents of the crown all around Europe for decades, also did the first translation of the entire Bible into Spanish, much as Luther did into German. Um, and then also a man named Valera who edited that, which gets us the Reina Valera Bible. It's the predominant Spanish language Bible in the non-Roman Catholic world, and a very important translation. And so they fled. Others stayed and were arrested. Um, probably about two dozen um, Lutherans or Lutheran sympathizers were burned to the stake. Many, many more were died in prison, in the, in the Inquisition prisons. And so by the 1550s, um, the, the
0: Reformation was eradicated in Spain. So where does that bring us then today in terms of opportunities for mission and uh, the Lord's work in Spain? Well, four centuries of um,
1: Roman Catholicism as the, not just the, the favored, but rather the really only option um, through the, the, the various kings in, uh, of Spain through the centuries. But then also under the Franco dictatorship in the 20th century, he was very, very much allied with the Roman Catholic Church. Um, Vatican II and kind of the opening of the Catholic Church in the 1960s wasn't well received in Spain because they liked the old Catholic way in Spain. Franco did, the dictator did. Then Franco died in 1975 and Spain made a transition, really remarkable transition from um, a military dictatorship to a Western uh, democracy. Uh, many good things, um, including religious freedom for the first time. In the 1980s, religious freedom was declared in Spain. Uh, but many not-so-good things. Abortion becomes legal in Spain in the 1980s as well, for so for two examples. Um, but they, it was only in the 1980s that open uh, mission work could be done in Spain. And so um, that's from there. It was in 2000 that, that a specifically Lutheran um, mission was started in
0: Spain. When you share with local residents that uh, you're a Lutheran pastor, what response do you get? Um, do they look at you like you're an alien? What's a Lutheran? Are, are they very familiar with what a Lutheran is? Some are. Um, not many. And uh,
1: the typical Spaniard who is culturally Catholic, at least, they will say that they're a Catholic they will lump all non-Catholic churches um, into the under the label evangelical. So Pentecostal churches, of which there are many, very small little Pentecostal churches, um, kind of old-line liberal um, denominations, um, which there's a couple of those that exist, and kind of had a uneasy truce with uh, Franco during the dictatorship years. The Anglican church is present there, uh, but then also Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, who are quite Um, prevalent in Spain and growing all of those to the average, those are all evangelicals, which, so then there's a lot of work to do saying, well, there were, we're something different. And and really there aren't a lot, the Anglicans are are fairly liturgical Uh, the Spanish Episcopal church is fairly liturgical outside of that. um, Most of the other churches in Spain are non-liturgical. I mean, they're Pentecostal or very different approach to all things about the church. And so for most Spaniards they don't understand that they see um, worship they they don't understand and and so it's a very strange thing to them. For us then it's trying to to you know distinguish what's the same and what's different and, and get the opportunity. But maybe the most frequent thing that you'll get when they find out that you're a Lutheran or an evangelical they'll say, "Well, you don't believe in Mary." Well, of course we believe in Mary. She's the mother of our Lord. But they have a different perspective, and so that's a uh, a very common. Um, uh, it's it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a yeah, how chance to that? start a conversation, yeah. but there's also a, a, a presupposition there and, and kind of an understanding that you know, if for this individual person, uh, Mary and piety, devotion to Mary, is is the central or very important in their faith, and that's quite common in Spain, um, then they've got this prejudice against anything not because I, I don't want to talk to you about religion, because you don't believe in mary well we don't believe the same things about mary but we you know and so we try to be very careful to um to honor mary as we all should she's the mother of our lord uh she her example of faith is 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 a phenomenal example of faith um, but it's a narrow it's kind of a a, a tight rope to walk there because
0: um, they've got a predisposition against that so it's how do you approach that conversation what are some examples of conversations where that that was the perhaps the starting point Um, it's interesting. I haven't had,
1: I won't say none, but I haven't had a lot of those conversations. You know, you need to have some other way to have a reason to have a relationship with that person Mm -hmm. because that conversation is not likely to go very far. Um, Mission work in Spain is very slow because even if you're only Roman Catholic in name, you were baptized, maybe you did first communion, but you never go to mass, um, even in that case, and that's a that's the vast majority of of Spaniards. They're Catholic, but they don't practice at all. Still, leaving that and and entering into another uh, confession, very very difficult thing to do. Um, our inroads with Spaniards has been much more with um, Spaniards who studied the Scripture for one reason or another deeply, and and there's our opportunity with those people. The challenge that gives us is that. Um, we, we have these individuals, and they're very spread out, um, but what we haven't done is have a local congregation that just is reaching out to the people in their neighborhood, um, and that's going to be two very different things. It's one thing to have somebody that's kind of n- naturally interested in theology and does a lot of reading, and, and those conversations very often go very well because uh, they can see that there's a clarity and a... And a uh, and integrity with scripture in what we're saying and teaching that they don't see in other church bodies. Uh, but for somebody who's less interested in that, uh, how do we then locally, you know, make that connection and it's going to be slow. There's no, there's no, uh, we, we can't kid ourselves that this is going to be something that goes, real, goes really fast. It's just a very difficult thing. And we, I wouldn't, I don't think we figured out how is that going to go. But one thing is to establish locations, the mission, up to now has not established locations, and so we haven't had a a visible presence in communities. And we just need to start with that uh, so that there's that place for people to come if they have questions and see that we're um, a church that does church in an outward fashion, not unlike Mm -hmm. what they're used to seeing, which, Lord willing, gives us the opportunity to then
0: get to the Word and get to um, the difference in terms of the teaching. Do you speak about the Reformation? In conversations like that?
1: A little bit. Try not to mm-hmm. to, to focus too much on the Inquisition <laughs> because that's, you know, that's, I mean, some Spaniards will say that they're Catholic and yet um, be very negative toward their own church. And so uh, they're like, well, of course, we're you know, because the church is terrible. But yes, I'm Catholic. And so it's a very convoluted thing. Um, really try to get to, uh, into the word, into, um, you know, the kind of the specifics of the gospel, because um, there's a lot of dead end roads to go down mm-hmm. because
0: of the pre preconceptions and the misconceptions. Let's talk about life in Spain. And uh, adjusting to that. Now, you had mentioned you've already lived in Spain for some time. Uh, tell me about what's what's life like in uh, Sevilla now. It's enjoyable in many ways, although
1: was surprisingly difficult to make the adjustment. I mean, when we lived there in the 90s, we lived for a short time in the community, but for the majority of the time on this on the Spanish naval base in American housing. And so we visited things. We went all over Spain and other places in Europe um, and were quite a bit out into the community, but we could always retreat to America, essentially. So that's one difference, but a, a really what was very difficult for us in making the transition, is that because the church was um, there was not a missionary on the ground when we went in 2015? Uh, there was one Spanish pastor, and there's members scattered all over, and so worship was very infrequent, uh, and and so that lack of a of a church life that we're very used to, and and you know, I would have intellectually been of course, I'm dependent on my my weekly connection to 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 the life of the church. But now, much more in my gut, yeah, I really, you know, I understand, I really need this. So that was a big deal. And then just, um, it's one thing to be, you know, essentially a tourist, and I have some Spanish ability, and they appreciate that. But I'm not trying to, to live in it to, no, now I'm um, I'm here, I, you know, we need to live in this language. And that's, um, you know, that's just an experience you have to go through, you have to live through that. Um, and so all of that. You know it was challenging, um, but good. and it's mm-hmm. a it's a beautiful place.
0: There's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of great things in Spain. So how long have you been in Sevilla? in for two years? Two years, and uh, feeling somewhat settled in yet? I think so. I think that we've
1: you know we've still got a ways to to go um in terms of really being, okay, this is just where mm-hmm. we are. But, but, I think we kind of turned a corner maybe in the last six months. Um, one of the huge benefits for us at the end of 2015, we had been there for eight or nine months by ourselves. There's one pastor in the community, but he's got a full-time job and a family. He doesn't have he did dedicate a lot of time to us, but he's not there for us in that sense. And the pastor Adam Lame and his wife Christine, and their kids came in December of 2015, and that's been uh, that was a huge turning point for us because now we've got a, a partner um, and this other family and they're there's a wonderful family um, by by the, the the mysterious will of God, also a former Marine. So we're only taking former Marines um, <laughs> on the field there. <laughs> and, and how close are they? Are they in Sevilla as well? They're in Sevilla as well. Um, and we won't both stay in the sa- in the same community um, uh, indefinitely, but, but really the focus right now, uh, we've rented a property in Sevilla uh, he's actually, this week, trying to to push the, the, the stone over the, the hill finally and, and actually get electricity. It's the last piece we need to be able to use this facility for worship. Um, bureaucracy and, and the way things are done in Spain is very, very frustrating. Uh, but we are focusing there until we get that up and going, and then um, we'll likely then split and be in different locations and start working in another location as well. More. We travel and serve in those
0: locations, but we're we live in Sevilla living in Sevilla I have to ask about the arts and cuisine and all those those fine things of, of uh, you shouldn't ask you should come I, well, I, I would be more than happy uh, to got room. I think we need to do a live broadcast absolutely from Sevilla. absolutely I think yeah. so no it is it is a phenomenal place Sevilla is an
1: ancient ancient city uh, there are um, well there are pre-Roman ruins under the city there, you know, Roman ruins and, and everything in between, um, you know, monumental architecture, uh, a really interesting culture, um, a lot of beauty. Um, there's, you know, there's still two significant monuments that are from um, the Moorish culture that is the Muslim kingdom that, that ruled much of Spain for uh, 700 years. And, and then Christian, when the Christian reconquest and and the building on top of that, Um, you know, kind of the stereotypical what what the Western world or what Americans know of Spain in terms of tourism really is southern Spain, Sevilla the flamenco dancing the um, the bullfighting although bullfighting is a a dying art or a dying sport I don't know what you want to call it it's slowly dying it's not nearly as important as it used to be but it's still there and it's still a big part of the culture Um, the winding medieval streets I mean the whole thing it's it's fantastic
0: what have you uh, learned about the the, the cuisine and the in the area and has that been a way to connect with others well Spaniards um do almost all their socializing except with like close family
1: they socialize in restaurants and bars and, and a bar in Spain is not a place to go and drink a bar in Spain is a place to go have a drink so you can talk to people and um and the whole family goes to the bar there's no um, it's just a very different, uh, I talk about, you know, going to bars and I'm like, people are probably thinking, well, why is pastor spending so much time in bars? <laughs> Cause that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's just not the same. It's really, it's really quite a, one of the more positive things about their culture is, is that, um, socialization and by and large Spaniards are, are interested and, in, um, interested in, in talking to Americans and, you know, learning about that They they are quite, in generally they're fairly guarded about speaking about spiritual things getting to any kind of depth takes a lot of time
0: um, but uh, but but to talk to people and to get to know people there uh, they're very open hmm. what has been your favorite food when it comes to uh, life in hmm. Spain today Wow my favorite food hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is it because there are too many there, it's interesting Spanish cuisine is not you know hot cuisine it's it's generally speaking fairly simple food but it's very good it's not healthy um (laughs) quite fatty i mean you know they they mean you know fried fish a mixed fried fish fish platter and it'll be fantastic and the fish fish is very fresh but most typically they're going to batter batter fry it which tastes Mm -hmm. great but um and the paella is wonderful which is a a rice dish and and uh with uh saffron and and um you know meat and vegetable mixed in, Um, you know, there's jamon serrano, which is a smoked ham, very, very good. It's more of a, uh, it's not a meal, but it's a a tapa, a a little bit of food with your drink. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like the rice pudding. I like it all.
0: (laughs) Chorizo, the sausage. With the, the, the significant Catholic influence, Roman Catholic influence in culture there, um, things like seasons of the you know the church year and seasons of the church year does that significantly affect life and and the culture in in Spain you know for example we're in the season of Lent mm-hmm. here and and here in the United States uh, American Roman Catholics many don't eat meat on Fridays as part of their uh, their religious practices what's life like in Spain um, when it comes to cultural influences to the from the the Roman church? 70% of Spaniards
1: still confess to be Roman Catholic, which is down from 90 some 30 years ago, but 70% still say they're Roman Catholic, but only 10 or 15% are what we would call active in the church, say maybe they go to mass once a month. So the proportion of the population that's actually active in the church is quite low, 10 to 15%. So most Spaniards, um, are, don't practice, wouldn't do any of that. However, um, their calendar is the church calendar. I mean, you know, it, you know, the Holy Week, Semana Santa, leading into Easter, schools are closed. Everyone's off. It's you know, it's either just vacation or they take part in the in the, the processions. And there's there's kind of there's kind of two religious pieties in Spain. There's the the official church, the mass um, that's going on, the regular parish life. And then there's the processions and the, and the extra festivals and the, and, the, and the pilgrimages. And far more people participate in the street Catholicism than they do in the, in, for example, during Holy Week, all of the processions that they do all during the week from Palm Sunday all the way through Easter, these processions will lead back into a church and there'll be a, there'll be a mass following the procession. And there'll be giant crowds in the street for the procession, but nobody, nobody. Very few people are there for the mass um, because that's not they they're doing it in the street, and so that it it's there it's all around you um but but uh not too many uh, it, there's a limit to how it mm-hmm. affects their their life, and many people then don't do anything with it i mean many Spaniards you know they don't they've done that been they're not interested
0: um It's a very secular country, even though it looks very Christian. So if you were to eat meat on Friday or or can you not even you know if you go to a restaurant on Friday no there's no meat. no meat tourism is king in Spain
1: uh it's very very important to their economy they would they're they're not going to put any restrictions in in mm-hmm. the restaurants there may be individual Spaniards who are choosing not to but I would say you would notice that more here uh in the United States in a community that is um you know got a significant catholic in our where we served in sydney montana we would go to the fish fry on fridays at the catholic church mm-hmm. it was great fish sure
0: same here um, in st
1: louis area it's right. right and uh that's not a th- I
0: mean, not a it's thing it's there, that, there yeah. there's things going on but but it's not very significant what is uh, just about a minute left what's the outlook for um for your work and the the work of other missionaries in spain and the the, the future of lutherans in spain
1: well because we have the gospel the outlook is eternally good uh, fantastic I think we need to be realistic uh, because uh, it's slow it's going to be slow but it is also um, a great opportunity and you know, we've gone in the two years we've been there we've we've had, we had we have one Spanish pastor we had two men starting to be pastors and they're still in process and but we've added two more men who've come into the church. Who both have potential and, and background that lends to it, and are now interested in, in working toward becoming pastors. Um, the members we have are very um, well taught. They understand why they're Lutherans, and and they're interested in in in, in growing a church there. And we have um, the clarity of our teaching. I mean, I've had many conversations with Spaniards that may, in the end, have nothing to do with us, but they they will say that you're you're much, the clarity of your teaching stands out that we, you know, we're biblical. It's there. They can see it. They may choose not to agree with it, but, but they can see that. And so all of those things are, 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 you know, we can see that, that the pure gospel and God's word is going to do its work. And so the opportunity to be there is fantastic. And, and what God's going to numerically achieved we don't know but
0: but it's a wonderful thing my guest today the reverend david warner serving the lord in spain pastor warner thank you for being my guest today thank you